Welcome back to Yes, That Can't Be Good, a rewatch podcast of the sci fi original series Eureka. Let's get going. This is Skip filling in for Doug with the TV Guide synopsis. Season 4, Episode 8, original air date August 27th, 2010. The X Files. People from their pasts haunt Carter and the gang while unknown forces attack Eureka. Creators, Jamie Paglia and Andrew Cosby. Written by Amy Berg, directed by Chris Fitcher. Thanks, Doug. I was going to say thanks, Doug. Thanks, <laughs> Doug. To say it. Thanks, Skip. Thank you, Doug. Oh, it's Skip. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Trevor Grant. How do you know my name? I've known your name my whole life. I believe you knew my father, Adam, back in 1947. Who are you? My name is Beverly Barlow. And we've been waiting a very long time for you. Hi, this is Vicki, and we are back for Season 4, Episode 8, The X-Files. I'm here with my co-host, Dud Gramley. Hey. Hey. What did you think about this episode? Well, you're asking, because I feel like you know I'm going to say I didn't like it. Oh, no, I didn't. I wasn't sure. It's one of my favorites, oh. actually. actually. Is it? Yeah. I, I didn't like it. No. I don't know. It was Everything sounded the same to me in this episode. There were a lot of similar words that were being i don't know like the whole thing just sounded i couldn't decipher what was going on okay you know there was like electromagnetic this that the other thing it was there was too much of the same thing going on that i couldn't figure out what was what right yeah i think now that you say that a lot of the sciencey words were the same like gamma rays electromagnetic pulse all that i get that i don't know i guess i'm surprised you didn't like it for somebody who complains about season four, two of my favorite episodes are in season four. This one, and there's another one coming up in a couple of weeks. I think the name of it's Liftoff. Two of my favorite episodes. Okay. Yeah, I guess when you think about it, yeah, all the sciencey stuff was hard to follow, although it's always hard to follow for me, but it all did sound the same. And I think at one point I said, I wonder if they just throw that word in for anything. And I can't remember what it was, but they seem to use it. <laughs> Yeah. All the time. Yeah, you're right. I get that. In this episode, they not only made us listen to the previously on about the time change, after the previously on, there was another previously on. I skipped forward. I don't because, like that time, you know, that they threw Tess and Jack breaking up in the previously on. I watch them just in case there's something that I missed. Sometimes they show a scene that they didn't actually show during the episode. Yeah, and they gave us two previously on this time, so I think it's about time that they could dump that time change. This episode opens exactly where it ended last week, at the diner. Beverly tries to convince Grant of who she is. She knows exactly who he is and where he's from. Yeah. Um, Beverly mentions her father, and Grant seems to know who she's talking about, and he's already looked into her father. We hoped the bottled wine would be convincing. My father said it was your favorite. Hey, no more games. Bottle's been dead for ten years, I checked. So who we? The group you and my father created, the philosophy you established. We were a handful of people, we had an ideal that... You were the architects of a powerful movement. And now there are thousands of us, scientists, politicians, thinkers. We're the watchdogs working to control scientific developments. Anything to prevent another tragedy like we saw in 1945. Nuclear weapons. Technology's most regrettable achievement. Now, I kind of find this weird because if he looked into her father, you know, obviously her father was a friend of his. Yeah. And he looked into it. 
And we find out they were in a group together. So he specifically went and looked into her father and found out he died 10 years early. But if he looked into her father, don't you think he would have discovered that her father had a daughter that lived in Eureka? We don't know that she actually lives in Eureka. It doesn't seem like she does. Well, she did, though. Don't you think somehow... Well, we don't know. She did in the other timeline. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Didn't even think of that. Yes, you're right. So maybe in this timeline, she's not, she's never been a part of Eureka. Okay, that makes sense, because that was, I, I found that weird, that he would look up her father and not realize that he had a daughter who was a big part of Eureka. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. I didn't even think of that. So Beverly tells him that she's part of a group that he and her father created back in the day. And it was kind of to control scientific development. Kind of the same things Henry always complains about. You know, everything they develop is turned into a weapon. Right. Grant knows that she's talking about the development of nuclear weapons. She mentions something like stopping the tragedy from 1945. Then we have to imagine that this group she's talking about is the consortium we've heard about in the first couple seasons. She tells him the group is concerned about GD's latest project, the DED device. She says the device could possibly take out all electronics in a thousand mile area. Grant doesn't believe it because he says, I know these people. Right. He doesn't think that they'd be developing a weapon. And I don't really understand why he doesn't think that because I think he's run into General Mansfield more than once so far, right? I think so, yeah. At this point. So, I mean, he has to understand that the DOD's in charge. Yeah, he knows DOD's in charge of the whole thing because they were looking into him last episode. Right. Beverly tells him to look into it for himself. We move on to a barbecue at Henry's house where Grace and Henry announce that they're starting over. Zoe gets disgusted by the whole thing and leaves to meet Zane. Yeah, Fargo's dancing. <laughs> just to go back to my whole pet peeve. <laughs> it's just very uncomfortable. Well, there was a reason. He put the music on. I, I mean, I, I get it, okay? Yeah. I, it's, it's Fargo, I get it. You know, it's better than had they cut to the scene and everybody was dancing, you know, because nobody does that in real life. <laughs> so I get, you know, I mean, I, I've been known to kind of sashay around when music is playing but i don't know well it was quick we'll we'll move on so grace adapted her ptsd project so that she and henry can share memories in order to get to know each other better yeah which is weird yeah a lot of times they're weird they bug me even though i'm happy henry's happy i I mean i don't i like them together but they do get a little strange yeah like a freshman in high school relationship type thing where they're lovey-dovey yes you know like why can't you just do things the normal way (laughs) there's a couple episodes away that they do something with music that wreaks havoc yeah right why can't they just do it the normal way yeah they have to do all these uh you know share memories and it's crazy they kind of freak me out sometimes right i mean there are certain memories that i don't think that I have that I don't think I should be sharing with anybody. You know, and what happens if one of those pops in his head? And she's like, oh, wait a second. (laughs) You know, I didn't need to know that. Right, exactly. Yeah, you're right. Zoe left because, well, number one, there was Jack and Allison being all... And they're another one. This is why, like, the episodes started bothering me. Maybe it wasn't the science. It was just the way people were acting was bothering me. (laughs) I guess, yeah, because it was weird. You never see anybody go into everybody's house for a barbecue because that was weird just to begin with. And then they're all there for Henry and Grace to announce that they're starting over or something, which was weird. (laughs) 
Which was weird. If I got invited to a barbecue and I had to go to somebody's house and the whole preparation of going and that, what am I going to wear? What if I don't like anything that they're going to make? You know, and I got to talk to people and then you go and then they come out and they say, we're here to announce that we're starting over. Yeah. I would have done exactly what Zoe did. I would have gotten up and walked right out. <laughs> You're going to bother me on my day off to come to this. You could have just told me this over the phone or text me. Right. I could have yeah. given you my congratulations that way. The whole thing was just odd. Yeah. So after Zoe leaves, there was a power surge in their little thingies that, that they're wearing, implants. And I think it affects the boombox too, right? Yeah, the radio. Whatever he was. Short yeah. circuits. It's only, it's important to note, it's only the people that were in 1942. 1942? 1947. 1947, that were at the barbecue after Zoe left. Right. Yeah, because we didn't say Grant shows up late. Right. So he's there when the power surge happens. And it sounded like he had something else to say other than only the people from 1947 were there. Oh, no. I was just saying, because later on, when all the stuff starts to happen, trying to think why it didn't affect, you know, like Zoe and stuff, and she had already left. Yeah. So, as we said, Grant shows up a little late. He asks Fargo if he could watch the DED test that's going on later that day. Fargo confronts Zane about Zoe. And Fargo knows that Zane is only doing it to aggravate Carter. And Zane does kind of admit that that's a big part of it, but he does like Zoe. Yeah. Thought you went to the lake. Yeah, I told you that. Someone who's totally inappropriate for you to even think of. Admit it, you're just doing it to mess with your dad. It's just a crush. It's harmless. And yeah, maybe I'm milking it to mess with Carter a little bit. What do you care? And last, maybe it was last episode, I was saying how there was a scene that you hated and the only reason I liked it was because it showed how they're all becoming friends. I can't remember what the scene was. Oh, when Henry was dancing and singing? Yes. I know you hated it, but it did show that Fargo went out of his way to do this for Henry. Yeah. They're becoming friends. And this scene is the same thing. The old Fargo, he would care less if Zane was dating Zoe. He wouldn't be protective of Zoe. Or of Carter. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You'd see that the relationship between the six of them, five of them, six of them, has definitely gotten stronger. Yeah, and I like it. I like that they're friends, and Fargo's just not the annoying guy that, you know, like I said, he's uh, confronting Zane about Zoe. He's being protective of Zoe and Carter. Right. He's he's matured. Yes. His character's matured, and I think being the head of Global Dynamics is probably help that as well yeah general mansfield is there for the test zane makes a snarky comment about you don't want to rush the development of a weapon you could see he kind of disagrees with all this too mansfield of course disagrees that it is a weapon he says it's a defensive counterattack. grant shares zane's opinion about the device joe always falls on the side of defense and military so she thinks that this is a good thing because they need to be able to defend themselves Right. Grant wants to know where building bigger and better weapons for defense stops. Which kind of makes Joe think, but I don't think that's going to change your mind. So the test seems to go well, but Fargo gets zapped when he goes in to check the readings. Zane says it must have been a transient anomaly. Whatever that. Uh, yeah, I don't know what that means. <laughs> that's all I have to say about that. Um, yeah. Carter comes to the infirmary under the pretense of asking about Fargo, but Fargo's already left. He and Allison flirt, and he leaves to go to answer a call from Andy. After he leaves, an angry Tess shows up. She's upset about Carter and Allison's relationship. Well, that explains a lot. Oh, Tess, um, I, I had no idea that you were here. Uh, yeah, per- 
proceed meteor shower peaks tomorrow night. You guys have the best view. I did not expect to see that, though. It's not what you think. Oh, yeah, uh, I'm making bedroom eyes with my ex? It's not exactly what you think. I, sh <laughs> I should have seen this coming. Tess. Listen, I have to go help my team set up. It was great catching up with you, Al. You know, they were smart to have Tess show up first because she's a real person. You right. Could, you could, at this point, believe that it's really... You could justify her coming back. Exactly, you yeah. an explanation as to yeah. why she's back, so it makes sense. Yeah. She was a little over the top, though. She was a little more... Yeah, maybe Yeah, not. her reaction to seeing Carter and Allison was a little over the top. Well, I guess it was kind of justified. You know, like, you don't know how they broke up. You just know that they broke up. Right. You know, it just wasn't working for them, and then... You know, he obviously didn't say, I'm in love with Allison, so then she comes back and all of a sudden... Right. Carter and her together. But don't you think she knew that? I mean, she asked Allison if there was anything going on. I mean, even though Allison said no, any idiot could see that there was. Yeah. You know? So when they, but, you know, I mean, book smarts and common sense yeah, I guess. don't always fall in line. Just jumping in here from the future, I realized that both of us were talking about two different timelines during this conversation about Tess and Carter breaking up. I'm talking about the timeline where they broke up in the previous Leon, and I believe Doug Gramley is talking about the timeline that they broke up when Carter came back from 1947 and found that she was still there. So just avoid any confusion. Obviously, we're a little confused because we're mixing up timelines. When they broke up, there was one line that was never explained. She said something about the distance, and Carter says, it's not just the distance, is it? He was asking her a question, and she never answered. That, and that was never explained. Do you remember that? No. Hmm? I always remember that, because he says, it's not just the distance, is it? And I don't know if he's asking or if she found somebody else in Australia or what, but there was never an answer to that. And there didn't seem to be any other reason to say that. Maybe, yeah. So, I don't know. At Cafe Diem, Zane shows up to tell Joe that he's breaking it off with Zoe before she gets the wrong idea. Zoe doesn't get him like Joe does. Yeah. Zane was, I mean, I know he's like supposed to be over the top too, but he was kind of, he was bothering me. He was bothering you? Yeah, he was just so like gag me romantic. Well, I, I, and I know. Joe kind of explains that later on. Yeah. But so it, it, makes, it makes sense. Yeah, it does. Carter meets Andy at the bridge and Andy claims to be hearing something, which Carter doesn't hear at first. As soon as it gets loud enough for Carter to hear, the road begins crumbling, and Andy falls off the side as they try to get away. Yeah. Carter helps him up and brings him back to the office to run a diagnostic. <laughs> and Andy just shuts himself down almost in mid-sentence, and that's it. That's just how it is. He's just staring at whatever he's staring at. Yeah. We turn around, and we see that Nathan is sitting at Carter's desk. Hey, Carter. Miss me? I remember being happy to see Nathan, but I was really upset about this when the first time I watched it. Did you know off the bat that something was wrong, or no. did you think that he was actually back? I thought he was back, if I remember correctly. And I was like, I can't believe that they're doing this. I mean, it was good to see him back, because him and Carter were funny, and he was just snarky every second of the time he was there. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't glad to see him back because of Allison, but I do miss him and Carter together as characters. Right, the way they were working together. Yeah. But what's weird is that what happened to him in this timeline sounds like it's the same exact thing that happened to him in the real timeline. Right. So they didn't change anything with his story. Right, because for all we knew up to now, he could have been just living somewhere else, like in the timeline. That oh, no. You know what? This is his recollection of Stark from his timeline. Okay, yeah, right. So that, that makes sense. Okay, I didn't think of that. Right, but apparently, even in this new timeline, Stark is dead. Yeah. Right. I mean, they don't really say how. Right. 
But up until now, I don't think that we knew. I mean, we kind of assumed Nathan was dead, but in the timeline that Henry changed in the first or second season, Stark was just living in San Francisco or something. Okay. I don't think it occurred to me at all that maybe Stark was around somewhere until he showed up here. And now we know he was dead because, you know, Carter says you're, you're dead. Yeah. But Nathan said he was stuck in space time, which makes sense. That makes perfect yep. sense for Eureka. And he said it was only the matter of time that somebody pushed the wrong button or did the wrong thing testing a project to bring him back. Andy gets zapped out of the blue and falls over. And yep. while Carter's tending to Andy, Nathan leaves to find Allison. Meanwhile, Joe's giving a tour of GD to some students. Fargo comes to introduce himself, and General Mansfield belittles him in front of the students. That guy is such a jerk. Oh my god, he just doesn't stop. One of the little girls confronts Fargo about not standing up to Mansfield. Over in Allison's lab, Allison explains her latest project to Grant. She was trying to use the nanobots that she used to help him quit smoking, to scrub the nicotine out of his system, yeah, to have them work as a treatment for cancer. Grant talks to her about his concerns over the DED project, and she explains that GD is a DOD facility, and... They're required to work on military projects. And we've heard Nathan say that to Henry when Henry had issues over what they were doing. You have to do this if you want to get money for that. Right. I mean, and Allison says, you know, she was back in 1947 and there were soldiers everywhere. Although he did say the war just ended and that's why there was so much of a military presence. But apparently that wasn't what Grant had in mind when they created Eureka. Yeah, I mean, it, it started off as a military base. Yeah, so Grant is disappointed that these are the things that GD is spending their resources on. Tess comes in and asks why Allison hasn't hit that. Yeah. That's when I kind of knew there was a problem, that it wasn't really Tess. Right, she wouldn't be so forward like that. No. She tells Allison they have to talk, and I don't know what they have to talk about. So then we jump to Henry and Carter, and they're on the bridge, and Carter tells Henry about Nathan. Henry says that the DED project could not have been the thing that pulled Nathan back. So Henry's working on the assumption that it really is Nathan and it's not a figment of Carter's imagination. Right. So they don't get to talk about it much further when Allison calls and says they have to talk. And they agree to meet at Cafe Diem at 8. I know you have a problem at 8 o'clock. It seems like a very uh, predictable. If something like that was going on, why would you wait till 8 o'clock? That would drive me crazy. To talk about it? Yes. Yeah, I don't know. That, I don't know what time it was. That would drive me crazy. Called. It seems like it's the middle of the day, and now we have to wait till 8 o'clock to talk about it. Right, and it's not a big town, so I feel like <laughs> it's you know, probably hard to avoid people. Right, exactly. Later at Cafe Dam, Carter, Allison, Nathan, and Tess sit down, although when Carter walks in, he doesn't want to have any part of it, because he just sees Nathan, he doesn't see Tess. Vincent comes to the table and asks what he can get for the two of them. Right. Which makes them realize that Tess and Nathan aren't really there. Yeah. And Vincent thinks they've lost their minds. <laughs> yeah, I like he just it. walks away. Yeah, I like his reactions to things. He cracks me up. Before they get to talk, Carter's Jeep gets demolished outside. I don't know how many times this is already, but again, his Jeep is gone. Yeah. So Joe thinks Zane is going to end it with Zoe, so she tries to give Zoe kind of a pep talk, like, I'm here to talk if you need me, blah, 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 before Zane gets there. When Zane arrives, she tells him to go easy on her. And Zane doesn't seem to know what she means, but he doesn't question it. Back at GD, Fargo wants to know if Nathan asked about him. Fargo says the DED only works on electronics, so it shouldn't have anything to do with Nathan coming back. 
And the whole time Nathan's giving Carter a hard time in the background, which yeah. was hilarious. Instruments are detecting anomalous energy reading, Douglas. Anomalous? That's bad, right? Four years in this town, that's the word to pick up. Oh, shut up! Grant says the instruments are reading some kind of energy. I'm not going to try that. And even though the machine is down, Grant wants to destroy it, but Mansfield comes in, and of course he's not going to destroy it. And who is he anyway, and why is he here? And he calls him a librarian or something. Right. Energy's still building in the power coupling. Well, then the whole place could come down over our heads. Okay, we've got to shut this thing down so we can figure out what's going on. That's the thing. It is shut down. Uh, I say we destroy it. And that way we scuttle the project completely. I don't recall asking for your opinion. With all due respect, General... Why are you even here? You're a librarian. Go catalog something. So the little girl with the pink bow shows up, and Fargo leaves to bring her to Joe because he thinks she was left behind from the tour. Joe runs into Zane in the same hallway. He says he missed her, and he gives her a few more compliments. As Joe confronts him about not telling Zoe, Fargo walks up with the little girl. He asks her why kids from the tour group are running around Section 5. Joe told him the tour was yesterday, and they're all gone. Yeah. He's kind of starting to figure out something is wrong. He asks her how many people are there, and and who's there, and she says him, Zane, and her. Apparently, Joe doesn't see the little girl, and Fargo doesn't see Zane. Joe doesn't understand why she's hallucinating Zane until Fargo explains that it might be the old Zane. And Fargo tells her that Carter and Allison are having the same problem. Right. But Fargo doesn't recognize this girl until she calls him Farto. Farto. Yes. Apparently it's Jessica Lansky, his fifth grade nemesis. Yeah. Which is funny because Joe keeps saying you were bullied by... (laughs) Possible. I guess it is, yeah. Back in the lab... Allison says that their EEGs show increased gamma activity. I think maybe it was gamma that I thought about because they seem to use gamma a lot in the show. Yeah, they just throw out words. Yeah, there was a couple other words that I was like, oh, I wonder if this actually fits in what they're talking about or if they're just using this word again. So Nathan and Tess are there just to annoy both of them while Allison is in the lab with Carter. Tess is yelling men suck or whatever she said. Men are pigs. Yeah, Yeah, Nathan's just being his snarky self with Carter. Joe and Fargo show up with their hallucinations, too. They figure they've all been exposed at the same time. Henry comes in, and they realize that they were all together at the barbecue when there was the power surge in Henry and Grace's neural interface. It didn't affect Henry and Grace because they were already connected to the interface. Right. So they figure out that since the tech was developed for therapy, they have to work through their problems before the hallucinations will go away. Henry also found out, which he doesn't get to tell anyone until the garage starts shaking, that the bridge and his Jeep were exposed to their own resonant frequencies and literally shook themselves apart. Henry's garage starts to cave in, and Carter says, What's the frequency, Kenneth? I love that song. I still love that song. What from, um, is that R.E.M.? Yeah, I, I do. I play it all the time. I know. I'm a dork. I, I don't think I even noticed he said that until this time when, when I watched it. Oh. I don't think I ever noticed that before. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't catch it when he said it. Do you know what that song's about? Do I know what it's about? Well, not about, but where they got the What's the Frequency Kenneth from? No. I don't remember all the specific details, but I remember where it came from. It was one of those big news anchors like Dan Rather or who's another one? Yeah. One of those. I can't remember which one. If you look it up, you'll probably figure it out. I think it was New York City. He was walking down the street in New York City and some guy who was obviously not in his right mind 
came up to him and started beating him up. And he just okay. kept yelling at him, what's the frequency, Kenneth? Oh, really? Yeah, and it was a, I guess it was a big news story, and then R.E.M. heard the story, and that's where they got the name of the song. Huh. I don't think the actual song is about Dan Rather or whoever it was. Yeah. I can't think of another anchor. You know, one of the famous ones. Walter Cronkite? Yeah, one of those. I don't think it was Walter Cronkite, but one of the, somebody that was that famous, you know, that everybody in the world knew. Yeah. You'll have to look it up, because I don't remember which who it was or which one it was. I did not know that. Another fun fact. The frequency that destroyed the garage is different from the one that destroyed the bridge and Carter's Jeep. I don't know what that has to do with anything, and that doesn't make any sense to me. Carter wonders if the DED experiment is interacting with something else. Of course it is. Yeah. Isn't it always? Henry goes to check it out. Allison tells Jack that the hallucinations are giving a voice to their fears. Carter doesn't understand because he says he's not afraid of Stark. Which I don't think is true. He's mentioned once already, and I think right around here, how he's tired of hearing the shoes he has to fill, and then Stark says, size 13. Right, yes. So obviously he feels some... Not that that he's afraid. I I think he's he's mistaking being afraid and being somewhat intimidated. Exactly, yeah. Not that he's afraid of him. He's... Yeah. Which is why I'm sure he appears in a bathing suit and shirtless, you know? Later. Right. Of course he's he's intimidated by him. And he actually says it's good to see him. Tess wants Allison to tell Jack that she was there for her when she lost Kevin's father, who we've never really heard much about, and Nathan, and that she's afraid of losing Carter the same way. So we know right. Kevin's father died. I have to I imagine they must have said that somewhere along the line. And of course we know Nathan died. Grant goes back to the depot to meet Beverly and sees her father Adam, although they didn't tell us it was her father. Remember back when we did Founder's Day and I told you the guy in the Jeep was Beverly's father? And then we didn't say that Joey. because... Yeah. Yeah, Joe Zapson. Yeah. Or no. Yeah. yeah. No, not a- Joe. Allison. Allison. Yeah. yeah. And then we didn't Joe say that. And, yeah. Yes. Joe, Joe caused the Jeep accident. And then we didn't say that in the podcast because I realized they didn't reveal that yet. So this is when we find out who he was. And apparently he was working with Grant in this group that they formed. Right. He was an army guy. He wasn't a scientist, was he? It looked like he was a nobody. He did. And I think they led us to believe that the guy Allison saved was just some nobody. I don't know if they ever explain what he did or what he was other than a soldier. But they made us think that he was just some nobody that Allison saved. And apparently it's Beverly's father. Grant says GD needs a leader other than Fargo will stand up to the military. And Beverly tells him that they used to have a leader like that. Now, I don't think I thought about it any other time I've heard it, but I remember talking about it in a podcast, in an episode, towards the beginning. And I said, I always thought that Nathan was aware of what Beverly was up to and the group Beverly was part of. Yes. When she says they used to have a leader like that, does that make it sound like that Nathan was kind of aware of the consortium? Do you think Nathan was the leader? The leader of GD. She said GD used to have a leader like that. Oh, um, maybe? That never hit me before, but like I said, way back in one of the first couple episodes, there was something about Beverly was in Section 5 or she was somewhere with Nathan and she said everything's been taken care of and or Nathan said something like, oh, you've had a good day. Like he was aware of what was happening. Yeah. And I always thought that after I heard that. And then when she said, we used to have a a leader like that, she's obviously talking about Nathan. Yeah, I think so. 
But maybe he had more of a role in this timeline, in the consortium, than he did in the previous timeline. I always thought he knew something about it. It very well could be. Yeah. I think, I, I always thought that he there was something fishy with him. Oh, yeah. Beverly tells Grant they already have a plan in motion, and she gives him a security code to use when the time is right. Back at GD, Fargo's still dealing with his nemesis, but he does suggest building a dampening field to contain the radiation temporarily until they can come up with a solution. Henry says they're running out of time. The charge is reaching critical. And Zane says that it could wipe out all the tech in GD. Well, he says wipe out GD, but I assume he means just the tech. Yeah. Um, we find Carter and his son bathing Nathan back at the bridge. Carter wonders why the bridge was the first thing to be affected if the DED device was the cause. Nathan says that doesn't really make sense either. Just don't get it. It's science, Carter! I don't expect you to get it. Well, it's... Put a shirt on! Hey, this is your fantasy, not mine. Nightmare. Shirt it! <sighs> what the hell are we doing up here, anyway? Well, you're an idiot. There's one thing I don't understand. Just one thing, huh, Carter? If the DED weapon was the source of the problems, then why was the bridge affected first? Does seem backwards. Residents' events should have started back at GD. Carter, with the help of Nathan, sort of, figures out that the first event was the power surge at Henry's Barbecue, and GD was the last place to be hit. Now he believes that the DED device is the target and not the cause of everything. Right. So Henry says if he's right about it being caused by an outside force, then Fargo's dampening field should prevent the device from frying all the tech in town, if it goes critical. All the while, yeah. Nathan's behind him making snarky comments. <laughs> Okay, so Fargo and Zane get the dampening field operational. Fargo notices that the energy buildup is beginning to dissipate, which doesn't make sense. This I actually understood, because the dampening field is only there to contain the energy, not to fix it. it. So the machine sparks, and Fargo and Zane go off to try and fix the problem. Grant's left alone with the device, and Adam appears. I'm calling him Adam. Is that his name? Adam Barlow? Um, I'm not sure. He looks like Adam. (laughs) Okay. He talks Grant into using the code to disable the field. As soon as the field goes down, Grant gets zapped with a resonance event, as they call it, and Fargo thinks that the event is what knocked down the dampening field, which it isn't. It was Grant. Putting in the code, yeah. Grant goes to the infirmary while Henry and Fargo and Zane try to talk General Mansfield out of moving the device out of GD. Mansfield, of course, wants to take the device out of GD to protect all of the other devices in GD. That's what he says. Yeah, it's not. He seems, those all yeah, he seems watch. pretty adamant about taking it out. And Fargo says, we can just scrub it. There's a, there's a disposal lab that they could just yeah. get rid of the whole thing. He wants this device. It doesn't seem like he's trying to protect the rest of GD. And he's always the one who wants to destroy everything. This is an odd stance for him to take. Right, yeah. But I think this is his pet project. Like, the other things that he wants to destroy usually don't have anything to do with the DOD. Yeah. He's kind of enforcing the argument that that's all they really care about is the weapons. The weapon, yeah. That they're developing. They don't really care about the science. Oh, I'm sure that Mansfield only cares about the weapons. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Henry tries to explain to him that unless they find a device that's working with the DED device, it doesn't matter where they move it. He still insists on taking it. Fargo's nemesis comes back to tell him that once again he didn't stand up for himself. In the infirmary, Allison fixes Grant's hand while Adam is talking to him about 
Allison using the car battery on him back in 1947. I think this is where we figure out who he is. I don't think they told us until this point. We know it's Beverly's right. father, but we don't realize it's the same guy she saved. I just thought it was some guy. I didn't yeah. know it was her father either. I don't know when I find, figured out that it was... I think you... I didn't find out until actually you told me that that was your father. I know, and I didn't mean to tell you ahead of time. I, I thought for some reason they told us that in that episode, and they didn't. Yeah. So yeah. This is the first time that you realize that it was the guy that Allison saved in 1947. Right. Tess keeps pushing Allison about Grant, because she wants to know why she's, you know, Grant's cute and he's safe. Right. Allison asks Grant who his hallucination is, and he says a leggy blonde in a slinky red dress. You can't come up with something better than that. Ugh. Very uh, <laughs> chauvinistic, <laughs> which, uh, you know, sounds typical of the time. I know. And I was laughing because last week you were saying how creepy he was getting. Oh, yeah. And actually, this time we know he's up to something, but... He was being really creepy, I thought. And I don't think I would have noticed that if he didn't say that last week. This was funny because Nathan and Carter come in and Nathan's like, hey, who's this guy? Yeah, right. <laughs> so it's funny that his hallucination could, I don't know how to explain it. Is It's like his hallucination is saying what Carter is actually thinking. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So instead of saying, because I mean, he walks in and I don't know, somebody's touching, I think, Grant is touching Allison's yeah. arm or Allison's touching Grant's arm or whatever, and they're kind of joking around, laughing, like a little flirtatious. Yeah. So I think Carter would walk in and say, what the hell is going on? But instead, Nathan, his subconscious is saying, who the hell is this? <laughs> right. And, but it's funny because, yes, he's, th- he's saying what Carter's thinking, but it's also appropriate because Nathan would have no idea who this is. Right. I mean, if it was really Nathan. Carter takes Allison out to the bridge with some kind of metal detector thing that detects frequencies instead of metal. Fargo is starting to talk himself into thinking he doesn't deserve the job if he doesn't stand up to Mansfield. Zane shows up and Joe lets him know that he always made her feel inadequate. He says some mushy stuff to her and she realizes that this isn't the way they were. She realized that this hallucination Zane is really nothing like the old Zane either. What she's saying is that the whole time that she's been in the new timeline, she's been romanticizing their relationship, and right. it wasn't all peaches and cream like she's making it out to be. Yeah. And now she's starting to realize that maybe they weren't right for each other. Yeah, she always goes to the extreme. I don't think that's... Right, yeah, I don't think you, you have to take it that no. far. I just, yeah. you know, we all think about something that you used to have and how wonderful it was, and then, you know, you get it back, you're like, oh, wait, this isn't really what right. I remember. I think that's what she's been struggling with, with not having Zane around. Yeah. Then back at the bridge, Allison gets a hit on the device, and Carter falls through a hologram, or a hologram that's masking this device that they find. Carter tries to turn it off, but it kind of goes off by itself. They can't figure out why it would just turn off if it was trying to attack the DED device, and then Carter figures out that it wasn't trying to attack the DED device. They wanted Mansfield to move it. There was a distraction. So they could steal it, which right. is exactly what happens. Carter and Henry figure out that whoever took the device had to have inside help. Right. And Mansfield, of course, tries to blame Fargo for the whole situation. And Fargo finally stands up to him and tells him that none of this would have happened if he listened to them and did not Just insist on moving it. it. Right. Right. 
They could have scrapped it or they could have kept working on it, but moving it was what caused it to get stolen. And he says he already submitted his report to the DOD, so Mansfield doesn't really have much to say. Mansfield leaves and so does Jessica, Fargo's nemesis, because he worked through his problem of not standing up to Mansfield. Yep. Zane shows up in Joe's office and Joe's thinking it's the fake Zane and gives him a speech about how, like we just said, she figured out they didn't work together and he should leave her alone and she gives him his ring back, which I didn't know she had around her neck all this time, did you? No. So now Zane's really confused about the whole conversation, and he's especially confused because Joe had his grandmother's ring, which is when Joe realizes that this is not the fake Zane, it's the real real Zane. Zane. Yeah. Right. So Carter interrupts to take Zane into custody, because they think he had something to do with... He's the inside man. Yeah. Of course, Zoe's upset because Carter's arrested now. This is the third boyfriend Carter's arrested. (laughs) Or she says arrested. Half the time they're not arrested, she just says that. That Dylan kid? Yeah. And uh, Lucas. She kept saying he was arrested, but he wasn't. So Zoe's upset. But Zane hands, before he gets taken off, Zane hands Joe uh, Joe something. Right. We don't find out what that is. Yeah, we never, I don't think we ever do, because Carter, he says, even after questioning Zane, he doesn't think he did it either. Yeah. You know, so I don't know if we ever see whatever he found out, do we? I don't know, in the next episode? Yeah. Not, I mean, not in this episode. Not in but... this episode, I didn't think so. Alice makes Carter sit down and talk, and she tells him that she's afraid that she's going to lose him like she lost Nathan and like she lost Kevin's father, I would imagine. He asks her if playing it safe is worth missing out on them. Nathan has to kind of badger Carter into admitting that he's head over heels in love with her. Yeah. Because, you know, Carter never says anything about anything. And when he finally does admit that, both Nathan and Tess disappear. Grant confronts Beverly at the diner. He he wasn't told they were going to be stealing the device, so he feels set up. And he was under the impression that it was going to be destroyed. So now, in his mind, these people are just as bad as the GD people because they stole it instead of destroying it. Beverly says they needed the device for its power source, and she brings him to a lab where they've rebuilt the bridge device. Now, this has to be a whole new bridge device because the old bridge device went to Warehouse 13. I don't know where it went. I thought it got destroyed. They It did get destroyed, and then Fargo had Claudia, the, the episode where Claudia came. Oh, okay. From Warehouse. She took it back. Yeah, that's what they said in that, you know, maybe it never made it, or maybe they just rebuilt the bridge device from scratch. I don't know. She wants to send him back to 1947, or wherever she wants to send him back to, so he can change the world like they had planned back in 1947. And that's kind of the end of the episode. Did we miss anything? No, I think that's pretty much how it ends. I think you're right about all the science stuff. It's all stuff we've heard before. and Yeah, it just like it didn't make any... Usually you can pinpoint the connection. something. Yeah. You know, this one just... I don't know. Everything just sounded the same. Yeah, the science part. I mean, like I said, this is one of my favorites. I like having Nathan back. Just the way him and Carter interact with each other. Yeah. is great. Yeah, the, their whole interaction was good. Yeah. It was pretty funny how they were working together again. And Carter basically figures out this whole thing on his own. On his own, right. With the help from Nathan, who wasn't really there. Wasn't really there, right. But yeah. you can kind of, you know, see how maybe he misses that relationship, too. Yeah, and he even says it's nice seeing them, even though they drove each other crazy. I think that's why I like this episode, because Nathan's back, and, and I miss that little... that banter and snark they had going on all the time yeah it's 
And I think another reason is because Joe talking to Zane, not knowing he's the real Zane, is kind of moving this plot along. Nobody knows. Now Grace knows, finally. Zane is going to wonder what the heck's going on and why Joe has his grandmother's ring. So it's kind of moving this all along. Like, I'm just tired of nobody knowing. Let's move this along. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so remember to look up uh, R.E.M. Yeah, I will. And did you ever look up the couch lady? The couch lady? The lady who was fused to the couch? Oh, no, no, I can't. I found a link, so when the last week's episode uh, publishes, uh, there's a link to it on the website. The real website. You look at the Podbean website. That's not our website. EurekaRewatch.com All right. Then we will see you later. That's it. I guess so. Unless we missed something that you wanted to talk about. Okay. Good. All right. We'll see you later. Hey, Carter. Y'all done playing doctor with your robot? No. This is awkward. Tax being a relative term. Oh. At least somebody misses me. Test 13. Just saying. Seriously, how do you function? What the hell's this? Come take a load off. Don't worry, we'll figure it out. Just another day in Eureka. What are we doing? Dinner? Movie? Maybe a quiet night in? No. A note of the movie? I'm head over heels in love with you. Kinda happened since the day we met. No kidding. Alrighty, bye. Bye. Okay, DC, tell us what's next. Join us next time for season four of episode nine. I'll be seeing you. See you later. Bye. 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 Please remember to follow us on our Facebook page. Yeah, that can't be good. At facebook.com backslash Eureka Rewatch. Or on Twitter at Eureka Rewatch. Links to information discussed during our podcasts will be added to our website at EurekaRewatch.com. You can also listen to our podcast on Podbean. If you'd like to send us an email, please email us at EurekaRewatch at gmail. We would love to hear from you. And we're now also available on Google Play.